everyone. This is Charlie Levine, and you are listening to the Angler's Journal Podcast, brought to you by Angler's Journal Magazine. If you're looking for a different fishing magazine that isn't just full of the same old, same old stuff that actually writes some in-depth stories about the people and places and boats and all the cool stuff that makes fishing great, check out anglersjournal.com and pick up a subscription. The Angler's Journal Podcast is brought to you by Atlantis Marine Finance. You know, Myself, I just unloaded my boat, and I'm without a boat for the first time in like 15 years. And I'm already looking around. I got ideas. I think a few different things I want to purchase or, you know, future shopping as it is. But when it comes time to do it, I'm going to need to finance that boat. And Atlantis Marine Finance is a great option. They've got a lot of experience. They've got a team of industry pros, actual boat owners. They have the knowledge and resources to help you get on the water So if you're looking to purchase a new boat or a used boat or even a project boat, Atlantis Marine Finance will give you all the educational resources you need to make a good decision and help you down that path to your next boat purchase. For more information, visit AtlantisMarineFinance.com and good luck. Get out there and get that boat. Hey everyone, this is Charlie Levine, Editor-in-Chief of Angler's Journal Magazine, and today I'm sitting down with... Uh, someone who has been illustrating articles in the outdoor space for many years, and we were fortunate enough to get him on board for a feature article in the Angler's Journal a um, couple issues ago. It was about a story Joe Cermelli wrote about fishing with Frank Mundus, um, who's a legendary shark skipper and inspiration of uh, Captain Quint, and... After talking with him and and hearing about his background, I really wanted to get him on the podcast. So, Mike Sudall, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Thanks, Charlie. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Oh, it's great to have you. You know, I've been a fan of your work for a long, long time um, and seeing it in, you know, all the top fishing magazines. So, it was great when we finally got to work together on a project and I was just... um, I just wanted to learn more about, you know, your fishing background and, and how you kind of got started in, in the illustrations. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I was, uh, I was really excited to, uh, to illustrate that Mondes feature. It was a great story. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love sharks, uh, especially great whites. So it was, and, and of course the Mondes legends. So, uh, it was, it was the perfect sum of, of, uh, of things to work on. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, no, I, I uh, um, you know, I grew up in, in Northeast Pennsylvania, um, spent my, spent my summers at the Jersey shore, you know, doing a ton of striped bass. Well, there wasn't much striped bass around back then, mostly weak fishing in South Jersey. Um, then, you know, trout and, uh, bass in, in, in Northeast Pennsylvania. And I've always been drawing. So I've always wanted to possibly do something with art. Um, never knew if it would work out, but you know, things just kind of leaned towards that way and um, ended up at uh, Ringling School of Art and Design in oh, Sarasota. Yeah, down here where I live. Yeah, yeah, which was, man, it was uh, it was a great four years um, fishing. I probably fished just as much as I was in class. Sure, <laughs> yeah, it's right on the on Sar- in Sarasota there, right? On the water, basically. Yep, yep. So I did, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the water there and benefited from, I, I think that was a few years post uh, the gillnet ban. So the fishing was just bonkers. Nice. Um, and, uh, uh, but I, I majored in illustration. 
And, um, you know, I, I, I worked my way through that school trying to come up with a portfolio that would get me hired. And um, I ended up at the getting a, a uh, news art internship at the St. Petersburg Times. And that was my first step into professional illustration, uh, you know, in my career. And uh, it was it was a it was an amazing step. It was something I wasn't sure. You know, I, I didn't. I, I knew a lot about news. Um, you know, I grew up with newspapers, and you know, I know didn't know much about working in newspapers. So when the opportunity came up, um, I was I was happy to, to dive into it. Yeah, that's cool, and I think that's what sparked my interest too. Because I guess we're probably around the same age. Yeah, and you know, I majored in English and journalism, and went and started working in newspapers back when you know before the big internet boom and it taught me so much it's that crazy frenetic pace and I I didn't really realize that these larger newspapers had a illustrator on staff and then you know I could imagine from an art perspective you were probably having to draw all kinds of stuff I mean across the board right all kinds of stuff so what what an interesting thing that happened to me at the St. Petersburg Times. I mean, I, I came in it into it as a uh, basically as an all-round illustrator. I was trying to illustrate editorial stories, things like that. But um, they had a uh, uh, graphics, an infographics specialist, which who's one of the top guys in the in the, in the industry, uh, Jeff Gertzen. And I remember like my second day being there. We went and had coffee, and he was just basically like, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to do informational graphics. And, you know, that's going to be like, if you learn informational graphics, you're going to work the rest of your life. Yeah. And at first like, okay, I mean, I've always been, I've always saw this. Okay. Whenever I go someplace, you got to be wide open, anything, try anything, learn anything, see where it takes you. And Jeff sat with me and taught me, uh informational graphics and that kind of just projected everything. And it was funny because, immediately i would just it's like i found my love you know uh within the first day we we started his his idea was well let's let's make a graphic on something you know like what 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 do you know that you'd want to explain to readers i was like well i know a lot about fishing and back then i was just getting into kayak fishing so like why don't we do something about learning how to kayak fish and he's and he said you know it's perfect let's do that so i spent like a week two weeks making this infographic you know teaching how to get into uh, uh, kayak fishing and I remember I couldn't sleep I was so excited to work on it every day and uh, he would come into the office and he'd be like I didn't sleep last night I'm excited to work on this I'm like man this is this is my love I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just go all in on the, on this kind of stuff so um, that's always been a side of my work that's kind of driven my next steps of, of, of where I've gone and, and what I've done so um, you know, I, I, I'm the traditional illustrator. I also do, you know, drawing, painting. I do computer illustration. I do everything. And I also, like, am heavy into the informational graphics, uh, teaching, showing how things work, processes, mm-hmm. uh, explaining things. Yeah. And that basically has been my career. That's so neat. And, and from an editor's perspective, it's you know, we get these really good stories and sometimes, and, and the Mundus piece is a great example because it mm-hmm. was a, a personal story about something that happened 20 years ago. And so there's mm-hmm. like, there was no photos, there's no way to really illustrate the story for the magazine. 
unless we have someone with your kind of skills who can read the story and bring it to life. Yeah. And, and I could imagine in the newspaper world, you know, all those little sidebars and results and graphs and all those things. And, you know, and to make that kind of information interesting, it's got to be really hard, but it's so important for the reader. And, you know, maybe this is a little insider baseball because the reader probably doesn't even really think about it much, but it's such a great tool to get the visual storytelling accomplished. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Thank you. It, it really is. Um, you know, it's it's this. You you pick up this style. Like I, I immediately knew back then that I, you. So you know, as an artist, and I'm sure it's with every artist. Every artist has it has a different path. No matter what they're doing, that's kind of the both good thing and bad thing about being a professional artist, right? There's no structure to follow yet you could make your own structure. Um, so depending on how you feel about that sort of thing could either drive you crazy or, uh, <laughs> or make you very su successful. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I had that epiphany back then that I just learned about myself. Well, I like to teach and I like to tell stories and that's how I, that's what I can do with art. Um, you know, whether it's, whether it's, 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 reading a story and, and, and deciphering it and bring it, breaking it into visuals or uh, just building an entire visual story uh, based on, on, on illustration, data, infographics, things like that. So, um, you know, that really, ah, that, that's just basically the, 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 like the framework of everything for, for me. Yeah. And it, it really works well for those how to articles, which you are just an ace at illustrating that stuff. And, <laughs> You know, because again, like when we get submissions to the magazine and other outlets I've worked at, it's, you know, these photos of like tying a fly or rigging a bait, you know, they're just not usually very attractive. And so you take that kind of stuff and you make it look beautiful and, and not just that, but kind of into that education thing you're talking about, you're showing somebody how to tie knots and how to sharpen all these little details that are so important to what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, that it's funny. I, I was doing that as, so, you know, I, I did a lot of logging. I mean, my whole life I learned from, you know, my, my, my uncle who sort of got me into, into uh, surf fishing and he kept a log and he kept it very detailed. Still to this day, he keeps a log. He's in his eighties. And, um, and I remember being like, wow, that's really cool. Keeping track of everything, learning, you know, what, what the patterns are. So I started when I was 13, keeping logbooks. Um, but then as I got a little bit older, 15, 16, I started doing a lot of drawings in our logbooks. And it, could, it would just be, this is the hole where I caught this trout and where he was. Or we were on a party boat and this is where we were sitting and all the fish that we caught around the party boat, this is what they were. So I did that just for myself and my logs. And then um, in college, I started doing it a little bit more and um, we, I had a, a visual journalism class that I took, I thought it sounded interesting. It was a really, really cool concept. It was, Hey, go and observe one area and, and, and basically, you know, write about it or, you know, create about it. So I picked the fishing docks in Sarasota and I went every week and I just trolled the docks and talked to people as they came off the boats about what they caught, talked to the captains, talked to even the person selling tickets to get on the boat. And every, each each week, I would do a whole page draw of all these illustrations of what was going on, what the big fish was, and those 
those pieces, you know, is what got me at St. Petersburg Times. And I carried a lot of that work through my portfolio heading to, you know, my papers after there. And um, that's always been kind of the, oh, I, here, also check this out. I, I, I do this work, but I also do this. And that's kind yeah. of, oh, great. We want you here, you know. Oh, that's so cool. And I love the posts you put up. Like you just got back from Europe, right? And you were caught a species I'd never even heard of. <laughs> and there was these, it was, I imagined your logbook and you had some notes in there, but these really awesome sketches. I was like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, this is Andrew. Yeah, man. Shout out to Ward and his, his son, Leo, who, who got me on those fish. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, so like when I'm out there, you know, I don't, it's not something that I consciously do. Like I'm not fishing and being like, oh, what's, what's this story going to be? I just absorb it. And then on the way home from the trip, I just think, well, what, what stuck with me? And that's what kind of builds those pages. Well, this is what stuck with me. It's mm-hmm. the way that Al was set up. It's where the fish were that. You know, we just caught them right when they got there. It was like, the, you know, the change of that pattern, you know, things like that. So um, that's kind of how I, I operate with those. Oh, it's it's really fun to look at and something I want to do more in Angler's Journal. Um, and in looking yeah. over your resume, so I, you started at the St. Pete Times and then you went back up north. I saw you were at the Asbury Press. Um, yeah, Asbury Park Press was an awesome so, you know, when I was coming into the press, I was still pretty green. I, I you know, as a, I mean, St. Petersburg Times was a, was a huge paper then, but as a, as a news art intern, you're, you're somewhat shielded from, you know, a lot of the, the pace and, you know, you're getting big features that maybe you have a couple days to do or a week to do. Um, but when I went to the Asbury Park Press, I was like, and, and rightfully so. I remember my boss at the time at St. Petersburg Times told me, he's like, you want to go to the Asbury Park. Like, this is where you want to go because you need to learn. And this is where you're going to learn. And um, it was a funny interview. I went up and it was middle of winter. And I was excited with the idea of moving to the Jersey Shore because, I, I, I mean, I love the Jersey Shore. And I knew, like, man, I'm going to jump right into that striper scene. And um, uh, I had, went on an interview for the paper and everybody was super nice. and But everybody kept mentioning the overlord, like the, uh, I don't know, what was he, the executive editor at the at the time um and he's like well you know has he gone through and i forget his name um has he gone through meeting so-and-so yet and everybody and everybody get quiet about it so i'm like who's this guy and so i had to get his buy-in to get the job there and he had like a, a separate office it wasn't even in the main newsroom you know like it was a separate office that was in a tower that had like a bridge with a tunnel to get to it wow <laughs> And my bosses took me in and uh, I had my little book, you know, of, of like of my portfolio. And we walked in and he was sitting behind his desk. And the first thing he did is he lit up a cigarette, which, you know, we're talking in the 2000s. So people were smoking in the office, you know. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he stepped out and he took my book and he flipped through it really quick. Went like one, two, three, four. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just pushed it aside. And he was like, let me let me ask you something. If If I tell you to draw something, can you draw exactly the way it looks? And I was, I said, yeah, yeah, I, I could do that. He said, you know, are you bullshitting me? And I was like, no, I'm not bullshitting them. And then my new boss at the time just woke up. He's like, you know, Mike's a really big fisherman. And uh, he would love to work on the hook, line, and sinker section. And immediately, you know, he was like, why didn't you tell me that when you first came in? You've got the job. Oh, that's so cool. That's why so, it came to mind because I know they, they, especially back then, they they did a lot of fish reports and how-to stuff. And Yeah, 16 pages. 
uh, pullout section every week. And, um, and it was awesome. It was, um, you know, there were a lot of ads, they sold a lot of ad space for it. And I got to basically be the creative, the designer, both like design the cover page and anything else that was needed for that section uh, while I was there. And, it, and you know, I, I had a lot of leeway. I could just say and a few times I was like, let's do a whole page on how to fish for stripers off a jetty. And I would illustrate an entire page on it. Or I did one for like the first day of trout, like how to get ready for the first day of trout. And, um, you know, they would just give me a bunch of real estate to do it. And I'd have to figure it out on how to create these pages and write them, research them, um, and you know, have an editor check them. But it like really, that experience helped me so much when I later went to the Associated Press and Wall Street Journal, because I was able to basically go and, and negotiate for, uh, for space, really. It's a rare thing to get a lot of space at a big newspaper, but you know, with those skills, I was able to go in. And sometimes, I mean, at the journal, they gave me spreads every now and then, which wow. was insane because that, you know. That's massive. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. And I say me, but I say, you know, I created but my team, you know, like all of us, it, it's, it's obviously it's a big team effort, which I'm sure we'll, you, you, you want to get into at some point. But, uh, but, you know, the Asbury Park Press was just an incredible place to work. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And I think I fished probably too much when I lived there. I mean, it's all, all I did is I just strike back fished every day. I lived in Belmar, New Jersey, which was right on the beach. And nice. Middle of the season, I, I didn't fish on like Friday nights and Saturday nights, but I fished every other night uh, of the week after that. So it was a good time. And who was the outdoor editor when you were there? Oh, man. Because I know didn't like, that's not the paper Albert Gusso worked for. He worked for... But I know some really, you know, well-known folks kind of went through that. Was Bob Popovich did some writing there? I, I don't know. I'm just curious. There, yeah. I know, like, Nick Konoshevsky was doing a lot of writing there at that time. So I got to hang with Nick a lot. He would come to the office and we would chat. And, uh, you know, he would be fishing all the time. I would be fishing all the time. Uh, somehow we never, like, linked up. I don't know how that, why that didn't happen. But, um, uh, you know, I remember he was there. There were a lot of writers going through there. And it was kind of cool part of the job. You know, I would get some of the uh, reports, you know, I would call to get some of the reports. And I remember we had a guy call in and he caught like a 60 pound fish. And, um, you know, he was saying, OK, you know, I caught this. It was like 61 pounds or something like that. And he's like, I got it in Shark River Inlet at, at like 1 a.m. last night. And I remember being like, no, you didn't. I was at Shark River Inlet at 1 a.m. last night. I was the only person. There. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and I, I saw the guy a few years later at a show. We were laughing about it. He's like, no, no, he got it, you know, off the Highlands Bridge, which I think was illegal at the time. And he's like, basically, he had his fishing buddies with him holding the phone with the hang-up button in case he was going to, like, give up the spot. They were going to hang up the phone on him, you know. So he wasn't allowed to say where he really got it. But uh, <laughs> that That's hilarious. You know, I worked at a, a magazine up there that was very reports-based. And, yeah, you would mm -hmm. you could kind of – See right through the smoke screens on a lot of Always. those reports. <laughs> so that's really cool. And then you, I can't imagine what it was like working for the journal. I've never been involved in a big daily. I mean, what is, what the, is the deal there? The journal, the journal was, was, yeah. So like, what, but right before I went to the journal, I went to the Associated Press, which was also like a crazy, um, that's a wire service. Sure. So. I dove into a big team there um, and we just handled every single day started brand new. And when 
you know, stuff hit the fan in the world, we would create visuals and infographics that explain what was going on. And um, it was super fast paced. And it was like, some days you were doing three, four things in one day, and you had to get it done by 6pm. And if you didn't, if you were running late, the phones would start ringing people from all over the the US or, you know, in Europe would be calling and, and saying, okay, we're waiting for this. Where is it? You know, so it was, it was pretty wild. Um, and that was like my move to New York City. But from there, I went to the journal and the journal, I was excited to go to the journal because I spent almost eight years at a wire service and you're making some amazing things, but you're making them for everybody. Whereas going to the journal now is going to make stuff for one, one, paper for one for a readership and i was excited to like go back to you know flexing those those muscles a little bit uh, um those creative muscles so the journal man the journal was was amazing i mean it was the process there the the, the amount of editors that you might have on something uh and, and depending on where where your work ends up whether it's you know in a special investigation or special feature or the front page like your stuff's going to the front page it's like man clear clear your schedule you're going to be there like with editors over your shoulders for hours <laughs> for you know and, and you're and same thing every day you had this deadline and uh in the middle of the journals is huge they call it the um uh, i forget what they called it at the time but there's this huge area where all like the top editors sit and above them are giant screens and I'm like giant screens, like 10, 10 foot high screens that go around them in like a square. And the entire paper is on those screens, just like getting built for the day. Yeah, that day is getting built. So like you go walk by and see like where your piece is going to be on that screen. But as it gets later in the day, Stuff moves that, around. Late, that big box is going to be red, <laughs> you know? So you're like, Oh, I don't want my box to be red. Oh, man. You know? you'd have this like anxiety um but you had to you know you just you had to make decisions really fast um and trust the teams you're working with the reporters the editors um the fact checkers uh, you know it, it, it was it was pretty cool it was really cool i bet and it's you know one of the most fun parts of this industry and and i feel fortunate to work in a magazine because there's mm -hmm. you know there just aren't that many of them out there anymore is seeing it come together every issue and you know now yeah. everybody's remote but like what you're saying you know we weren't the wall street journal but we always had a wall and like the pages would get laid out and we and they would kind of go up on the wall and then you'd stand back and look at it drink your coffee and be like well maybe we'll move that photo over there da, 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 da. Totally. and it's like building a house every single one it, it's really it, it's just something i love to do and it i can't imagine that must have been a, a really cool experience but um, but uh, back to fishing <laughs> from the frenetic news pace and, and covering wars and hurricanes and whatever else, would you still be like, okay, you know, cause that pace must just get maddening after a while. Like, okay, I need to get out, go fishing and just draw a trout or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. I did a ton of fishing. Um, you know, obviously with St. Petersburg times, I had the, I had the water right there. And then when I came to New York, it got a little bit more interesting. Um, you know, I, I ended up eventually moving to Westchester, New York, where I would actually live on a, a little island right now called City Island. Um, it's in New York City. It's a t northern tip of the Bronx. It's a 
Oh, it's, it's like a, in Long Island Sound, right? Kind of. Mile and a half long, half a mile wide. Um, it's New England It's all houses, um, dead end streets. Like we have a beach at the end of our street. That's I mean, there's stripers. I could walk down there right now and probably get a schoolie. They're they're there. Um, and uh, so the fishing is like you know my my kids basically are growing up on the water right now, which is kind of cool. That's you wonderful. Know? Yeah, super cool. And it's it's a good community. You know, it's a lot of fishermen, say you know people who used to sail. Uh, and and you know as far as work goes, it's like a lot of NYPD, FDNY, you know, a lot of families here. It's 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 a it's a cool place. Um, but fishing wise, I, I man. So when I started at Asbury Park, I mean at Saint, uh, sorry. Associated Press, all these things are so similar. Um, a job opened up at Field and Stream, and I was always been my dream to work at Field and Stream. So I, I applied to it and immediately got called up by their uh, by their art director, the creative director at the time, and went to visit their office. Their office is in Second and Park, so it's right in Midtown. I walked right over, and um, you know, immediately they were like, "Why don't we?" You know, it was kind of an entry level position. I was a little, a little bit more senior at that point in my career. So I was like, "Why don't we just put you on as a contributor, and you can start doing illustration for us?" And I, you know, that was like a dream. I said absolutely. So I started doing them monthly, and you know, it would be anywhere from, I don't know, two to four pieces per month in, in some, some, you know, at the, during some points, and my fishing stuff just kind of blew up from there. Uh, and everything like I was doing magazines uh ads and at the time even with the pace at the journal and at this at the at the associated press i was doing probably four to five freelance jobs a month on top of it so i know my nights and weekends were freelance so um a lot of times i would have to thread fishing throughout there so you know i'd say okay well fall every weekend i'm gonna go out to montauk you know and that's gonna be my thing in the fall and then the summertime i'll be going up to uh, uh, the Catskills in the upper Delaware and fly fishing for, for trout. So, uh, you know, with, with, with New York, it kind of became more of a, well, I'm going to make a, an overnighter or a few trips out of it. Um, until of course I moved up to Westchester and then it, it, it went back to being like a, I could go out for a few hours and then come back and work. Yeah. That's really yeah. neat. And is there, is there a particular species that you like to draw more than others? Oh man, I don't know. It goes all over the place. Um, I just painted a brown trout for. Uh, I, I donated it for the Friends of the Upper Delaware, the the One Fly tournament they have. It's their their fundraiser event that every year they start out with that raises money for um, for like river management. And I like to donate like two pieces a year. I usually do that in Jackson Hole One uh, One Fly, and um, but like man, I painted a brown trout. I realized in about two years, it's the first brown trout I painted in a long time, and. God, I love I love painting brown trout. You know the, the 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 spot patterns are all so unique. They've got that deep bronze to yellow, um, and of course, like stripers. I love. The, I, I mean, I've painted a lot of stripers in my day, and it's like same thing. Like their patterns, they're so. If you look at a striper, they kind of look somewhat the same. If you know, if, if for maybe a non fisherman, they look somewhat the same. But when you really get into them, each one of them has so much character to them the lines are slightly different um their color patterns based on where you're catching them whether they're on the beach or they're back in back in the estuaries um or in the rivers you know the, the coloring slightly different and uh you know I, i'm doing i'm going to be doing a striper in a few weeks i think later this year i'm doing a striper and i i can't wait to 
to paint that guy up. That's so cool. What is the process, Mike? Do you sketch it and then what what paints kind of like what do you use oils or watercolor? I do. I mean, I've done everything. I've done oils. I've done I've done acrylics, but mostly now I use ink and watercolor. Uh, and I, I started shying away from it years ago, but I had some buddies, Sermelli being one of them, be like, no, 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 like don't, because it's a kind of unique. It's a unique look, you know. Um, so I, I've stayed with that. But uh, my process, so you know, these pieces are are for our commissions. So what I'll what I end up doing is talking to the person who this fish will be for and if, it, if it's if it's a if it's if it's an actual fish of theirs that they want paint that they've caught i want to know the story behind it um and once i got the story behind it i, I sketch it up and I, I i do a bunch of different sketches to see what works and what doesn't work and then from there um i you know pull a ton of reference photos if it's if it's their fish i do the best i can with the photos that they have but if it's if it's just a fish i might have 30 different photos like i might like the way you know the the fin is on one fish you know maybe maybe the way the light hits it and i can see the details uh scales things like that and um and then i just draw it up but with ink and watercolor there's no you can't erase so once you start you got to go from start to finish without really screwing things up or you have to restart so um and i don't know i kind of like that and it reminds me of being in the newspaper you know where you're doing stuff so fast you learn how to work around mistakes you know so now that i'm i've been doing ink for so long i feel pretty comfortable i'm not worried about screwing things up i figure you know if i make a mistake it's going to be a small mistake and i'm going to fix it <laughs> if i make a big mistake i gotta restart which has happened from time to time but doesn't happen very often yeah well and it's so biologically accurate you know, which I, I can see your eye and attention to detail. And even in the, the shark and Mundus piece you did for us, the faces, I was like, wow, this is really good. Cause I can't imagine to me, that's gotta be the hardest part when you do. And looking at your resume or your website, I saw all these sports figures you did over the years and stuff. Um, so the yeah. fish, you, you totally nail the fish and then <laughs> The, the people and the hands and all that, I'm like amazed at the stuff you do. <laughs> yeah. The, the sports stuff. Thank you. Thank you. The sports stuff is, uh, um, you know, so like one thing, one thing that's been really nice and I think it's helped me with my fishing stuff, which my fishing stuff's also helped me with my other subjects is being able to work on so many different things. You really have like a kind of a, I learned just as much from doing a sports sequence on how Manu Ginobili does a Euro step as I do like uh, illustrating the Mundus piece as far as creatively, right? Um, just movement and, and, and structure, colors, you know, you're constantly, it, it, I guess it's interesting to, to, to somebody who isn't obsessive or, or an artist that, you know, creates on a daily basis, stuff doesn't really it's not like it just it, it's i have a set style or i'm making something i'm gonna go one two three make it and move on like every piece when you go into it you're kind of like all right well what can i what can i learn from this or what can i do differently like the process even though you have a set process that you you have certain steps you follow you're still kind of making it up as it goes so that that's why you'll see like if you look at somebody's art from 12 years ago it looks slightly different than their art now because they're always kind of going through that process of, okay, well, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try it this way or that way and see if it works. And what ends up happening is you don't always take it as far as you're going to end up wanting it to be because maybe for whatever reason, your body won't just allow yourself to, to draw like that or go that far with it. But you end up making little steps towards something. Um, and my, my, my sports art were a direct result of that. Like, um, you know, it just came up one day in the journal. And one, one thing I used to do with the journal that I loved and, and I, I do in my career now is whenever I had downtime, I would just walk around. I'd, I'd find my favorite. I mean, you work at the Wall Street Journal, some of the most amazing reporters and editors in the world working there. And I would just find some guys that I, I loved and pop by their desk and be like, hey, what's, you know, what, what, what are you working on? Like, do you have anything coming up down the road that's interesting that you're kind of stuck on? And often, and I, most of, I spent most of my time in the sports department. <laughs> so that's why everything's sports. But most of the time, you know, I'd get one guy be like, yeah, you know what? I got, I've got a thing. I've got data on pitchers and what the body goes through when you throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. It's fascinating. I'm not sure what we can do with it yet. I'm, and I'd be okay, well, why don't we sit down and figure it out? Maybe we can do an entire visual story about what happens to the human body when you throw a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. And like that's th those pieces would just morph out of out of this collaborative experience, um, and that's how like my sports stuff kind of. I was always doing sports stuff before that, but I feel like I I, I like had a nice breakthrough at the journal where um, there was this maturity to to the work itself. Wow! Yeah, I was checking out um, on your site the piece you did with James Harden step back shot. Yes. And yeah. I just watched them beat the Celtics last night. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, and, and it was really cool. Just a different perspective and um, much, much cooler feel than photos could ever do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, like a conversation, you know, James Harden, if you're looking at his data, you wondered back now, he's, he's obviously he's a little bit older now, um, maybe a little bit heavier, but back when he was younger, how is this guy killing all these teams? He, de he doesn't jump high, super high. He's not running at, he's not like running out of the building and, you know, he's not particularly faster than anybody on the, on the, on the floor. Why, why, how is he putting up those points? Well, it turns out he has this metric called deceleration where he could change speeds faster than anybody in the league from you know not super fast not super slow but from he can go from fast to slow faster than the professional guy who's guarding him can do that so that's what gets him open for everything because to guard him you can't stay in front of him basically um so that's what that piece was all about you, you learn all these cool things about these players and you know in some cases work directly with them to make it we, we didn't work with I mean, I think like we did a, a a hitting graphic with Miguel Cabrera, which was really cool. I think we worked with his father, maybe, or his, or his, his hitting coach to build it. You know, so you work with some pretty interesting people as well um, on the outside of of the newspaper to build this stuff, and that that's also part of the, the cool cool experiences with it. You know. Yeah, and I can now that you're explaining all your process and all this stuff, I can kind of see how you do similar. Um, or how you look at a piece, even if it's like a trout stream and all the different riffles and rocks and there might be a fish here or there, you know, um, the stuff you did like that over the years in field and stream, it, it, it was very telling and, and well done and stuff you just couldn't do, you know, without someone with your skill. 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, it's cool with Film Stream, you know, again, too. Like, now I get to talk to editors who are just, just these incredible outdoorsmen. You know, when I was a kid, I never, I didn't really hunt, but um, I got Field and Stream because I, I just, when I was 13 years old, I started getting Field and Stream. I just knew that, well, if I want to be a serious outdoorsman, I have to read <laughs> Field and Stream. That's what I thought, you know. Mm -hmm. And I never, I, I was just always too obsessed with fishing to get into hunting. Um, and, um, but I understand it. I understand that the people who are obsessed with hunting are just like we are obsessed with fishing. So if not more so. Yeah, yeah details matter so when i talk to the editors and we talk about okay well we're gonna do this is about a turkey hunt you know in the fall i want even the trees correct i'm like no what give me the details and i would push them sometimes where i would send a piece in and they'd be like oh it looks great and i'm like okay but is there anything is there anything off like would those would there not be if it's fall are the trees yellow and orange or there'd be a couple red trees in there as well like i want details like that in there because i feel like that's what connects with readers and that's what connects with us like we're obsessed with this stuff if something's off you'd be like ah, okay I, I i this is off i don't know it's just something that always caught me you know wow uh, that's cool and, and you do it so well and like i said earlier it's it's great to finally be working with you i want to do some more excerpts from mike's logbook in the magazine because <laughs> they're just super cool and they have that style that i just grew up like you you know reading all that stuff and and it's just uh I, I think our readers will appreciate it it's it's great to have you on the team and and thank you uh thanks so much for telling us about you know how you got into this it's been great chatting of course of course thank you so much charlie yeah all right everyone well that's mike sudal take care and we'll talk to you soon